Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of October 15th, 2020, including Xbox Series X and S will double frame rates of certain backwards compatible games. Microsoft is partnering up with GameStop of all companies. Game Pass on iOS might not be entirely dead after all, and more. podcast hosted by a guy who likes to brag about his $1,400 brand new Microsoft Surface Duo flagship smartphone, but is still yet to ever actually hear the ringtone featured on the device as he's never received a phone call in the entire duration of his time owning it. Yep, that's right. It's Jesse. We're here. We're back. We're talking Xbox all over again, guys. Another exciting week. So you might remember last week I said at the top of the show to write in, comment over on youtube.com slash secondbestgaming with your top five Xbox One exclusive games of the generation and that when we have a slow news week, we would be able to do a segment kind of reminiscing, talking about our favorite games of the Xbox One generation as we start to, uh, you know, close out that that generation and get ready for Xbox Series X and S. Well, I'm here to tell you this week is not that week because we had a moderate amount of news this week. So we are going to have a regular show, regular run of show, regular everything uh, segments and all that good stuff. And then hopefully next week we'll be able to do that top five. I appreciate everyone who wrote in and left their, their top five list, of which there were a surprising amount. So I really appreciate um, that from all of you who, who participated. And if you're still interested in participating or if you haven't, already commented yeah just go over to youtube.com look up second best gaming that's the channel you'll find the podcast uh the xbox on podcast feed on youtube under that channel and then just click on either this week's episode or last week's episode and leave a comment um with your favorite ranking your top five favorite console exclusive uh xbox one games and then we'll be sure to do that hopefully next week on the show um but for sure in you know in the weeks leading up to the Xbox Series X as I want to do like I said last week I want to do a couple of uh celebratory segments and just just have some a couple of little show topics or segments where we can celebrate the Xbox One and kind of look back and remember it fondly before we wave goodbye to it and embrace our Xbox Series X and S's as our new favorite children so be sure to do that if you haven't for those of you who did write in last week Rest assured, I have those comments saved. They're here. I'll have them all logged in my notes. And as soon as we're able to do that new segment, as soon as we have a slow enough news week that we can warrant having that topic, I'll, uh, I'll inject it in there. So just want to start off with that. Now, additionally, last week I, I, I kicked off the show with like a little bit of banter about, well, we always start off with a little bit of banter, but last week's banter begun with or started with me talking about the analytics of the podcast and how I noted that there's a good percentage of people or or that only 25% of people make it to about three quarters of the way into the show and beyond, uh, meaning that essentially the majority of the audience is just listening to the front half of the show, which is bullshit talk about fast food and soda and, and stupid stuff and not even about Xbox at all. So I was just trying to make, you know, a lighthearted jab at the fact that that's it's kind of funny that this is an Xbox podcast, but the part of the show that seems to get the most attention is 
the non-Xbox related conversation. I, I don't really care either way. I just I, let me let me make this clear. So for a couple of you actually wrote in regarding my statement about that, you know, offering some some feedback as to why it might be that certain people only listen to certain portions of the show or whatever. Now, I appreciate, let me start with this. I appreciate anyone who wrote in and tried to, you know, provide constructive feedback or I, if your heart was in the right place and you're just trying to be like, hey, man, if you're looking for ways to maybe improve the show, make it more appealing to general audiences, I think these might be some things to consider. I really appreciate it if that's where your heart was and if that's why you wrote in. And I, I just I just want to let you know, like, honestly, this show for me is just more fun when it starts off with a bunch of derailing and, and just a whole lot of shit talking and everyone's comments that are just completely off topic and out of left field. So that's how I like doing the show. And that's how I don't know. I, th- I like what we've built here. And I, I think those of you who engage and comment on this, and I'm sure there are plenty of you who listen to the show and don't comment, but still kind of get it. Like this is, this is the show. This is what makes Xbox on what it is. We're not here to, you know, just get right down the brass tacks. Trust me. There are plenty of video game podcasts out there that are very, I don't mean to be insulting, but you know, kind of mechanical and just straight to the point of like, hey, this is an Xbox podcast, so we have to be gaming personalities who just talk about video games. We're not people who have like like other things outside of video games. It's like that's not what this show's about. I'm a I'm a human being. I love to eat. I love to talk about food. I love to talk about other things because I I love more things in this world than just Xbox. And so that's that's what we do on this show. It's it's more about, you know, Xbox being the connective tissue that brings us all together and the banter being more more so the the show itself. So, do we talk about Xbox? Of course. Is the show technically mostly about Xbox? Yes. But we're going to shit talk at, at the top of every show. We're going to we're going to read read comments and 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 talk about Coke versus Pepsi and things like that and potentially even cancel some people. So that's just the way the show is done. That's the way I like doing the show. And yeah, I, I'm not really looking to change that. I don't like if that makes the show less appealing to more general audiences. If that's something that actually ends up hindering my potential to grow the show, eh, so be it. This is how I like doing it. Also, to mention, like guys, on I, re- I record the show. It goes live every Thursday. I record on Wednesday nights. I literally get home from work, like decontaminate myself from COVID, and just like shower, burn all my clothes from work. And like immediately just jump onto the computer, make sure all my notes are organized and hit the record button. So like it is a hard gear shift from like a 10 hour shift of my day job to like traffic, driving home in traffic to like quickly jumping into podcast mode. Like I there are so many times in the week where I'm pumped about recording the show and never is that time like when it's time to actually record the show It is hard to get myself like into Xbox video game news mode. My my mind is just many miles away from this shit when it actually comes time to record the show. So honestly, the banter and the bullshit and the comment reading, that really helps kind of get me out of my kind of uptight, stressed out, regular workday mode and gets me in the groove so we can so we can sit here and talk about the Denny's and the IHOPs and, and the burritos versus tacos and things like that. The important conversations that really help Get me back into the state of mind where I think I am most productive and I think I'm most useful to you guys. So I appreciate that we we do the show this way. And I don't know you can feel feel free to comment all you want about how things could be better or or, or tell me how you personally feel. I, I appreciate your comment nonetheless. But this is how we're going to keep doing things. So with that said, we'll just uh, put a little pin in it by by reading a comment from Mr. Matt Stevens uh, who says. 
Yeah, I think the only reason about 25% makes it to the end is maybe the food slash banter stuff. Not that they don't care about the Xbox stuff. It's not necessarily a bad thing, especially if it's mostly for fun. It just might not be for them. The banter, sometimes I listen to the whole thing. Sometimes I skip ahead to the Xbox stuff. Can't do it on Spotify, but maybe consider putting a timestamp for when Xbox News starts or maybe split the banter uh, between the beginning and the end. No offense meant uh, for the unsolicited advice. I don't have a podcast and I don't really know how to run one. Just spitballing here. No, Matt, I think that's pretty, pretty good feedback. And I thought about that before. I really should put timestamps in, but that that's just so much work. You really expect me to work for you guys? Do you guys know this podcast is free? How many times have you heard a Dollar Shave Club ad in the middle of one of my podcasts? How many times have we been having uh, a very lively discussion about which Disney theme park cheeseburger is the best? And then you just heard a hard cutoff and a Dollar Shave Club ad just jumped in there or an ad for Honey or ExpressVPN or, or Squarespace. Never. That's right. That means this is a this is the show where I work for you. Okay? So let me cut some corners. When when I start making money off this thing, that's when I'll put in the extra effort. That's when you'll get your luxuries like timestamps and thoughtful titles that explain what the podcast is actually about. You know, that's when I'll actually get new music in the show and stop using that weird Halo 5 music clip that no one seems to really like. We'll, we'll deal with that when I can start making money off you fuckers, okay? But thank you, Matt. Now, Eric uh, Matheson also wrote in with a similar comment, but it's very long. I don't mean to be a dick, Eric, but I just don't want to make this this little topic drag on for too long. I, again, I appreciate... I appreciate you commenting in and, and leaving your feedback regarding this con- this this topic, but I think we're all getting bored of it. But thank you for writing in. I do notice that you have your top five games, and we will save that for hopefully next week or whenever we're able to do that topic. Now, let's, uh, let's palate cleanse with some ni- nice comments uh, from the audience about unrelated Xbox things, and we'll be sure to sprinkle in some Xbox information before we actually get to the news. Our first comment comes from my favorite child, my original child, my oldest, Dead Captain James, who says, I originally came here for the Xbox talk, but ended up staying for the fun banter. Sure, the Xbox news is good and all, but the random conversations we have are a blast. You really have differentiated yourself from the rest of the Xbox podcasts. Now, that seems like kind of a pat on the back to read that on air, but that really is a a really kind comment, Dead Captain James, and it means a lot coming from you just because, you know, you've been been here pretty much from the very beginning, and that's, uh, you know, no disrespect to any of my friends or family who have supported the show from the beginning, that support also means more than you know any of them will ever know. But it, it, there is something really special about knowing a complete stranger from somewhere, whoever, like wherever the fuck you live, who's just like, yeah, I'm gonna listen to this stranger and give him a chance, and then be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna stick around. I like this show, especially when it's like an unknown quantity. Like I'll I'll be honest, I don't really go out of my way to find like unknown quote unquote content creators, like people who have little to no followers, and be like, oh yeah, let me give this guy with uh, ten. 10 views a try. Maybe he's good. Like I'm not that guy. So I appreciate that someone's that guy because otherwise I don't know how, how anyone ever gets started to begin with. So dead captain James more so than anything, just because you've been here, you know, since the early days, I really appreciate that. that, Those kind words. And uh, yeah, that's just a little on air pat on the back. Thank you. Now, Mr. Miggy comes in with an, with a comment and says, I came from Spotify just to comment, lol. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming to comment. I appreciate that. You say, I find it funny how you're really into Mountain Dew, but you never mention how it's owned by Pepsi, which you're also really into. You, and then you say, now my question is, what do you think of Mountain Dew Baja Blast? Okay, we'll get to that. So that's a great point. And 
you know, when I was younger, I used to like, I don't know if I, I thought it was cool to flex about like my Pepsi company knowledge, but like I used to always make that a point to tell people like, oh yeah, well, well, Co- well Mountain Dew is a, is a Pepsi product and you know, Sprite's a Coke product. And like, it's like flex these things when you have your arguments about Coke and Pepsi and things like that. And I felt, I felt a tribalist loyalty to PepsiCo because I was like, oh yeah, Pepsi's my preferred cola. Mountain Dew's my preferred drink overall. Like I'm a Pepsi company guy and I, in all fairness, I do like Pepsi. I actually prefer Sierra Mist over Sprite. I don't like Sprite at all. I barely like Sierra Mist, but I'll take it over Sprite. You know, definitely prefer uh, Pepsi to a Coke. Now, Coke's equivalent to Mountain Dew is technically Mellow Yellow. Get the fuck out of here. If you, if I ever catch, listen, if anyone ever comments on this show and tries to defend Mellow Yellow, instant ban. Instant fucking ban. And don't think I'm joking. I will, you will never hear the show again. You will never be allowed to speak your voice on, on or to have your voice be heard on this show. No fucking room in this world for any mellow yellow motherfuckers, okay? So that's just that's just that. Now, I will give Coke credit for this. I think Coke actually has the superior root beer. Coke's root beer is, uh, is Bark's root beer, and Pepsi's is Mug root beer. Mug root beer is pretty mediocre. It's not awful, but I, I would never... I would never choose it if I have a choice between that and something else. I'm a, I'm actually a pretty much a, you may not know this because I talk so much about the do, but I'm actually a root beer, something of a root beer aficionado. I really do love root beer. There's a, there's a, a beer brewer and I, I only know all this shit because I used to work in restaurants for so long, but there's a beer brewer called Abita. Uh, they're from Louisiana, I believe. And uh, the famous beer brewer, they make, a, I think Abita Purple Haze is maybe their most popular drink. It's like a raspberry pilsner. Um, but that's not really what we're here to talk about because beer is yucky. Beer is for grownups. I'm here to talk about Abita's root beer. So Abita, the beer brewer, makes a root beer, non-alcoholic root beer, just regular old classic root beer, and it is the best root beer ever. And uh, I, I don't know why I'm bringing that up. I, I I just started by saying Coke has a better root beer than Pepsi, although I generally favor Pepsi products over Coke products. But since we're on the topic of, of root beer, I must say, if you ever have the chance, if you can ever find it, it's very rare. I, I find that a lot of like those like hipstery Whole Foods stores will have it. Like if, if you have a Whole Foods or a or a I don't know what the other brands are called. Fucking I don't know any of those like hipster like located in those places, the gentrified like urban areas where like rich people with long hair go to shop for groceries and spend too much money. You can sometimes find it in six packs, but the way I was introduced to it is actually sometimes bars will have it on tap. It's root beer. It's non-alcoholic, but you can have it on tap. I, I actually a sports bar I used to work at one time had it on tap and that was my shit. I remember working there waiting tables before I was even 21 and that was like the running joke is like, Oh, Jesse doesn't drink. He's too young to drink. He doesn't care about alcohol, but He's nuts about this fucking root beer we have on tap, so he looks like an alcoholic. That was the whole thing, ha, ha, ha. But wanted to give a shout-out to the Abita root beer, one of the best root beers. Red Hair, another beer brewer, they also have a root beer that they do on tap. Very good. Very good stuff. If you guys ever want to have an in-depth podcast dedicated to all things root beer, I'm definitely down to have that, so let me know what you think about that. Now, you, you say, what do you think about Baja Blast? Baja Blast, I really love it. Uh, you, you know I'm a huge Taco Bell guy. You know I'm a huge Mountain Dew guy. Baja Blast is a fantastic drink. I will be honest, I think it gets a little too much love. I don't think Baja Blast is top five Mountain Dew flavors. It's it's a good one, but to me, Baja Blast is pretty like middle of the road. Now, to be fair, most people's concept of Mountain Dew is like regular Baja Blast and Code Red. They only know like three or four flavors. 
to me, someone who like collects Mountain Dew from 20 years ago, there's been a billion fucking flavors of Mountain Dew. So when I say middle of the road, that's pretty high praise because there's just been so many flavors of Mountain Dew over the years. But yeah, Mountain Dew, definitely top 10, 15 maybe. But it's uh, it's not my favorite. I feel like it just gets a little too much love just because it became such a cool thing where it's like, oh, yeah, Taco Bell, say what you will about it. But that's where you go to get Baja Blast. It's It pairs wonderfully with Taco Bell, and it is a nice drink even on its own. And, you know, once every spring or summer, Mountain Dew will release it for a limited time at, at grocery stores so you can buy it without having to go to Taco Bell. Um, but I have a hard time drinking it any other way because to me, it always tastes like I'm eating Taco Bell. Like if I, if I buy a 12 pack of Baja Blast and then go home and like make dinner, it doesn't matter if I'm eating fucking like, like sushi. It just suddenly tastes like Taco Bell because that's what my mind tricks me into thinking when I'm drinking Baja Blast. So it's a good flavor. Um, definitely not top five, but a solid, solid choice. I, I definitely pick classic Mountain Dew over it. I definitely pick Whiteout over it. Definitely pick Voltage over it. Definitely pick uh, the current um, Halloween flavor, which is Voodoo over it. Uh, Definitely pick Supernova over it. So very uh, revolution, definitely before Baja Blast. There are plenty of other flavors I'd pick. Uh, Game Fuel. Game Fuel's so goddamn good. Um, But Baja Blast is, there's, there's a place for it, and I do enjoy it. It's definitely, there've definitely been far worse Mountain Dew flavors. Now, Dead Captain James, in an effort to lose all my love and respect, says, I didn't know people actually liked Pepsi. I always thought people just order it slash buy it when there is no Coke available. Lol. And uh, I have nothing else to say other than, Dead Captain James, you are officially banned from the show uh, for the next 24 hours. Uh, so I just don't, I don't even know what to say to that. That's, that be, like that, if anyone else said that, that would infuriate me. But because it came from you, that just hurts me. So that's some, let's just try to move on. Cause that's going to ruin the whole cadence of the show and my, my attitude and everything. So I just gotta, we just gotta keep moving on. Now, Grant Mundy comes in and says, Hey, I would like to point out that I'm one of the listeners who make it all the way to the end of the podcast. Congratulations, Grant. You know how to waste a lot of free time. You say, here's a question. If I owned a food company that were looking at making food based on Xbox products, what would you choose to create? Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I think I know what you mean, but I don't really know if I know what you mean here. Are you saying like food company looking to make food based on Xbox products? What does that mean? Like, like cookies shaped like Xbox controllers or what are you talking about? Like food company where you're looking at making food based on Xbox products. Oh, I think you're talking about like, like Xbox IP, like, like a Halo cereal or something like that. Now that's a good one. I would really love, and this, this goes into my whole like dream world where like, Disney makes a deal with Microsoft to build a whole like Halo theme park or Halo theme park land the way like Universal has Harry Potter and Disney has Star Wars and Avatar and stuff like that. I would go fucking nuts if they just made a Halo land. And the part that makes me even more frustrated is Disney in particular has kind of already gotten so close to that because Star Wars is obviously a super like sci-fi space thing like Halo is and they have a Star Wars land. And then the Avatar land that, like, James Cameron's Avatar that Disney built a couple years ago over at their Animal Kingdom theme park, I actually think is, like, the perfect premise for a Halo theme park because it's a land that's not so much based around the movie itself, but more based around, like, 
the setting that the movie creates. So rather than it being about like the characters in the scenes from the movie that you love, it's more about like the planet Pandora that's featured from the movie. And I think that's exactly how you would want to approach a Halo land. If you ever built one rather than being like, Oh, this is this scene from Halo three. It's like, no, 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 we built a Halo ring. So the land isn't about seeing master chief and reliving the adventures of Halos two and three rather than that, they should make a land where it's like, this is a Halo ring and a theme park and you get to go explore this fucking halo ring and like the rides could be like riding on the back of a warthog or some shit like that and and just like going nuts on a halo ring or or you know like flying on a unsc infinity and coming in contact with the covenant i don't fucking know i just think a halo theme park land is just the coolest idea ever and i know it's never gonna happen and it makes me so very sad. So the reason why I bring that up is because obviously when Disney or Universal or any of these parks build these like like highly themed lands dedicated to one single property like a Harry Potter or Star Wars, they go all out. They get snacks and drinks specific to those lands and everything. And I just I love to think about like what if there was a Halo theme park land? We could have Halo food. But, you, but then you think about it and it's like, you know what Halo food is? It's like Earth food. And now I've only read a couple of the books, but the the video games never really touch on like you never really get a glimpse of what they eat in the Halo universe. But if you read the books, especially like if you read the first book, The Fall of Reach, you realize that in the Halo universe, they eat just like boring ass Earth food. They eat like meatloaf with mashed potatoes and drink water. It's it's very boring. So I don't know. I, I, I really wish 343 would expand that further. Or at least in the expanding universe. I'm sure they do in, in books and such that I haven't read yet. But I would like to know more about like what the Covenant eat and some more like exotic futuristic bullshit that they make in Halo. Like I guess Halo ODST, there's an allusion to like kebabs or something when you're in New Mombasa, which is in Africa. So I, I guess they eat just kind of regular Earth food. But I only bring all this up to say I would love like a restaurant. I would love a restaurant set in the Halo universe. So whatever the hell they eat in that universe, I'd love to eat that. And now... I don't know what I don't know like what else like what other Xbox franchise comes to mind whatever they eat in uh I guess in the Forza games the cars eat gasoline so we could uh we could we could have like Forza gasoline that we could all just ingest and kill ourselves with so that's one I don't know I I wish I should have thought about this a little harder before I recorded rather than just being like oh I'll say whatever this comment says for the show but I I don't know this is this I feel like there's a lot of potential for some fun answers on this and I'm kind of letting you down so if anyone has a fun idea, please feel free to write in. But I I mean, yeah, damn, I just, <laughs> I don't have a real good one. I feel like most Xbox games are set in like pretty regular settings where they eat like regular food. Like if you ate food from like the Sea of Thieves world, it'd just be like, I don't know, just like fire roasted chicken in a worms or some shit, something disgusting like that. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, feel free to write in if you'd like to uh, jump in on Grant's uh, comment there. Now, Sam Torres comes in and says, Superb reboot of the show. I missed the old one, but this one got me thinking. Jesse should talk about eating frequently throughout the podcast and what he would treat Phil Spencer to if he ever came to Florida slash Walt Disney World. Enough bullshit, though. Great to see you address the Waffle House. Uh, not like I don't have fond memories of them. Also, if PlayStation gets a new Bethesda game, really, what do I care? When console wars become dick-length battles, I feel like we are all losing interest in gaming and forgetting core principles. The, the core principles, seven deadly gaming sins, which are, one, if you want your friends to play the same games as you, tell them there's nudity in it. Two, playing a game on hard doesn't make you hardcore. It means you've got too much time. Three, old games are fun as long as someone can contest them to be fun. 
Don't think you've discovered Jetmodo and therefore are the only one comparing it to Splashdown. <laughs> I love this comment. Four, buy something on sale once in a while if all you do is bitch about price the price of games. Five, game developers have better ideas. Publishers can't come up with shit. Future-proofed their uh, jobs <laughs> getting stolen by AI. Six and seven are yours, Jesse. Great show. Glad you like Sunny Eclipse. Uh, could he be related to Alf, a.k.a. Gordon Sh- uh, Shumway? Okay, that's a that's a lot. That that's a comment that's all over the place. First of all, I appreciate you establishing the seven deadly sins. Six and seven are, as you mentioned, mine to decide. So I'm gonna save them. I will pull them out of my back pocket. Let this let's just put a pin in that. There, uh, we have five of the seven deadly gaming sins. Six and seven are for me to decide. I will arbitrarily at at any point in which I decide to do so, just create six and seven on the fly. So just uh, keep your eyes open for that if you if you hear me just aside at some point i have a new gaming deadly sin then uh that will be one of them in fact i'm actually using one of them right now so we'll keep number seven in my back pocket for now but number six it's only tangentially gaming related and it it, because it's soda related and we assume that gamers all have unhealthy soda drinking habits number six is that if you drink mellow yellow you are not a gamer and they're therefore a piece of shit so number seven, we'll keep in the back pocket, but we now have six of the seven deadly sins created here. So thank you for writing in with that, Sam. Now, I know who Alf is. I'm not familiar with the actor that plays Alf, but yes, I think Sunny Eclipse is very much Alf inspired and what a deep cut, or I don't know if I mentioned Sunny Eclipse. I guess I must have, but the fact that you know who Sunny Eclipse is makes me like you very much. So I'm going to bump you up on the list of favorites. Uh, so look out, I will be putting something nice in your Christmas stocking this December. You are a good boy. And then, man, I, I know you're just joking here, but I got to answer your hypothetical question. If I were at Walt Disney World with Phil Spencer for whatever fucking reason, and we could go anywhere we want, oh my God, I would take that man, I would take that man to someplace so nice that he he might just uh, convince Satya Nadella to relocate uh, Microsoft from Seattle to Orlando and then... Hire me to be their Xbox guy that doesn't actually know or or do anything particular, but just uh, walks around and has a face and represents the brand. Kind of like Major Nelson, but less useful. I, I'd be that guy. So um, Phil Spencer, if I'm taking him to dinner anywhere in Walt Disney World, if I'm taking him somewhere I like, we're going to, like if I'm taking him somewhere because I want to impress him or I want to have a good dinner with him, a good meal, I'm taking him probably either the California Grill or to Sanaa. Sanaa is a nice, uh, like South African Indian fusion restaurant with in which is it's like the whole all the walls are glass and you're surrounded by like a savanna, so you see like like giraffes and shit just all around you while you eat. That place is phenomenal. The food's so great. So I take him there. That's at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge, or I would take him to California Grill, which is at the top of Disney's Contemporary Resort. It's a nice, like, high-end, like, um, modern American restaurant. So you can get, like, steak or seafood. Uh, but they also have, like, it has, like, California twists, so, like, fancy flatbreads and sushi dishes. We definitely go there, get that uh, get that, that 32-ounce porterhouse steak, get it medium rare, and enjoy that, enjoy that bad boy, and then maybe giggle about um, how much we love Halo 5 and how stupid the Halo community is for not appreciating what a good game 343 made for them and that they failed to appreciate enough and then uh, maybe he'd ask me to come and work for Microsoft and and be the face of the Xbox and I'd say oh Phil only for a billion dollars a year and he'd say make it two billion and then and then Xbox on would be branded the official podcast of Xbox suck it major Nelson fuck you IGN 
I'm number one. That would be like the tagline, that whole long thing. And then I think that'd be pretty good. Now, if I don't like Phil Spencer, I'm just going to take him to some weird quick service restaurant. We go to like Pinocchio's Village House, which is like this uh, restaurant in the Magic Kingdom where you get like these shitty chicken nuggets and pizza flatbreads that are not very good. But that's where I'm taking him. If if uh, maybe if he's rude to me or if I just if I just don't enjoy his company, but let's move on, guys. I try not try not to talk about the theme parks too much because I know that's probably a little too niche for most most of the audience. Lethal migraine. How could we have an episode of the show without lethal migraines input? Writes in and says, note Jesse, Minecraft was already on everything. Xbox didn't put it there, so not the same thing. Bad comparison. So lethal migraine. Let me give you some context, okay, audience. Lethal migraine is referring to me doubling down on and defending the whole I think Bethesda games are still going to come to PlayStation for the most part next generation, meaning Fallout, Elder Scrolls, shit like that. Still think the new IP are going to be Xbox exclusive, but I would be surprised if you don't see Fallout 5 and Elder Scrolls 6 or whatever come to PlayStation as well. So let me let me defend myself. You're picking on me here because I use Minecraft as an example where I said, you know, Microsoft didn't stop Minecraft from going to other platforms after they bought them. So I don't know if you knew this, but when Microsoft bought Minecraft in 2014, Minecraft was available on Xbox, PC, and PlayStation, iOS, and Android. It was not on Nintendo. It had not come to a Nintendo console yet. In fact, I don't think Minecraft came to Nintendo until like 2015 or 16. It was super late to the Wii U when it first came to Wii U. And then, of course, we got on Switch, you know, when the Switch came out. But my point here being... Microsoft could have bought Minecraft and said, okay, well, it's already on PS3 and PS4 Vita, or actually it wasn't on PS4 yet. I think it was only on PS3 and Vita at the time, or whatever the case was, it was already in some way, shape, or form on PlayStation consoles. And Microsoft could have said, okay, we'll leave it there, but from now on, you know, if we come up with new features or Minecraft 2 or any additional Minecraft stuff or if new consoles come out, we can just support the Xbox One and kind of phase out the PlayStation thing. No. They kept supporting PlayStation. In fact, PlayStation kind of gets more support than Xbox because they just made a Minecraft VR thing that I think PSVR supports or is going to support. So that's funny right there. And then on top of that, Minecraft had never come to a, a Nintendo console at the time. And then shortly after Microsoft buys Minecraft, it comes to Wii U and eventually comes to Switch. And Minecraft is like very well known on Nintendo. In fact, we just got the announcement that Minecraft characters are coming to Super Smash Bros. Now, on top of that, Microsoft had another opportunity to be like, okay, Minecraft, like the standard Minecraft game, is multi-platform. We can't take that away. It just is what it is. Fine. But since we own Minecraft and we want to give people reasons to buy an Xbox, any new Minecraft games that aren't the core Minecraft experience can be Xbox exclusives. And then they announced a game called Minecraft Dungeons like two years ago. And guess what? Minecraft Dungeons was the perfect opportunity to say, okay, this is a one-off Minecraft game. It's not a game as a service. It's just a dungeon crawler. It's completely unrelated to the core Minecraft experience. This is the opportunity for them to say, it's only on Xbox and PC. Fuck you, PlayStation. Fuck you, Switch. You can still get your core Minecraft experience. But if you want this one-off story mode, dungeon crawler, Minecraft spin-off game, you got to be on Xbox. And they still didn't do that. They put that game on Switch. They put that game on PlayStation because the precedent was already set that Minecraft is a thing that is ubiquitous. You can get it everywhere. You can play it everywhere. Listen, Minecraft Dungeons isn't even on iOS or Android, but it's on PS4 and Switch. I'm just trying to make the point here, guys. Listen, I could be wrong. Maybe it is a bad comparison. I don't know. 
But I'm just trying to make the point here that Minecraft was the perfect opportunity for Microsoft to kind of pick and choose like, mm, can we put this here? Should we make it multi-platform? Should we make it exclusive to get people to come to our platform? Minecraft's one of those things where people are going to play Minecraft no matter where they have to play it because it's so big and it has such a strong brand. If anything, Minecraft's the perfect property to test this out with because little kids are going to go get an Xbox if that's the only way they can get their Minecraft fix. That's how fucking big Minecraft is. So I actually think Minecraft's a really great example, but you're welcome to feel how you feel about that and to think it was a bad comparison. I'm going to defend that, especially with Minecraft, and I'm going to double down on this. Again, at this point, it's not that I'm really convinced that Bethesda games just are coming to PlayStation still. It really is more just about saving face and doubling down because I'm going to look so very badass if I'm right and all you guys are wrong about this. So I'm going to stand by it. I think your future iterations of games like Fallout and Wolfenstein and Prey and 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 all these Elder Scroll games, all these big Bethesda games, Doom, I think you're going to keep seeing them on PlayStation. New properties, Starfield maybe, I don't know. Xbox exclusive possible. I'm just I don't know. I'm I'm standing by this end of discussion. You can keep saying I'm stupid or I'm wrong or whatever. I'm just going to I'm just going to own this and take it to my grave. This this is the hill I want to die on. So my brother comes in and says, they should put Mario Galaxy, trying to be all like funny, tongue-in-cheek. He goes, they should put Mario Galaxy on PS5. I feel like Nintendo is leaving a lot of money on the table. Again, you know, to me saying the whole, you know, they'd be leaving money on the table by not putting these games on PlayStation uh, when they've already been on PlayStation before and now just limiting it to Xbox, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Joke's on you because even though that is a joke and Nintendo would never put Mario on PlayStation... Your statement's actually right. So, all sarcasm aside, Nintendo is leaving a lot of fucking money on the table by not putting Mario on PlayStation. Because people on PlayStation would buy the shit out of a Mario game if it were on PlayStation. Now, I agree it's never going to happen, but joke's on you. Because your statement's actually kind of right in your effort to be all petty and sarcastic. Now, Count Scotula, Count Scotula, you're a good guy. Don't fuck with me here. You, you, you comment, you, you do a five-point comment here. You say, one, you're right, even without next-gen gameplay, Xbox has built a serious hype train, which I did not see coming. Two, E3 next year sounds truly savage. Sounds like Uncle Phil's going to get slapped with an M rating. Absolutely. Three, best part of the Bethesda deal is that it's a no-lose no situation for Xbox gamers. Whether they choose if those games are exclusive or not, everyone has to agree with that. Exactly. And then four, you do your top five games, so we'll save that for, we'll save that for when we do that topic. And then you say... Uh, Point four here is, um, or sorry, point five here is hypothetical. You and your enemy are stuck at Walt Disney. <laughs> you and your enemy are stuck on a Walt Disney World ride for the rest of your life. Which ride do you pick for yourself, and which ride do you pick for your enemy? Easy, easy, easy. For my enemy, or okay, let's do it for myself. For myself, now this isn't my favorite attraction, but I'm gonna choose the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover because that is a ride that if I were stuck on for the rest of my life wouldn't make me sick or drive me nuts because it's not a thrill ride, so I wouldn't be rattled and shaken to death, and it's not a show that just repeats itself, so I'm just listening to the same monotonous songs and script over and over again. It is a slow-moving, like, little forever... Whoever's seen... I don't know if anyone is familiar with it, but it's a it's a ride in the Tomorrowland part of the park. It's a ride that's, like, on rails above the land, and it kind of rides throughout the land and gives you an overview, and it goes into Space Mountain and shows you in and around the attractions and the shops, but it's like this slow-moving kind of like train ride system they've built 
that goes all around Tomorrowland. It's very calming. It's very relaxing. It moves at like, I don't know, like 10 miles an hour, 12 miles an hour. So if even that, so it's like slow, it's calming, it's relaxing. It's really nice to just sit up there and feel the breeze and enjoy yourself. So I would be stuck on that ride because I think that's a ride I could deal with forever. As long as I have Disney pizza and some Mountain Dew, I can survive another 30, 40 years, whatever I got left on this world doing that. Now for my enemy, fuck that guy. That guy's a piece of shit. That guy is getting stuck. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break your your hypothetical a little bit. That guy's getting stuck on the Fast and Furious ride over at Universal Studios. While I know it's not a Walt Disney World ride, it is just the shittiest ride I can think of off the top of my head. So that's that's where that guy's getting stuck. That's just the worst fucking thing ever. You're probably you're probably gonna blow your own brains out being stuck on that for I don't know more than like an hour. I, I can't imagine surviving that more than an hour. So. That's maybe what's going to happen to that guy. Now, if I got to play by the rules and, and put him on a Walt Disney World ride, I don't. Maybe Magic Carpets of Aladdin, that ride kind of sucks. It's a little spinny ride, and it's really awful. Or maybe maybe the Journey into Imagination over at Epcot, which is kind of awful. It's a great idea for a ride, but I don't, I don't know. I don't hate that ride as much as other people do, so I don't know if I'd put him on that. Uh, it's hard to choose with Disney. I don't think there's any ride at Disney that I just hate so much. That I'd, I'd put someone on and be like, ah, fuck you. Maybe I'd make him watch the Beauty and the Beast sing-along show at Hollywood, Disney's Hollywood Studios. That might be pretty miserable. I don't know. Let's 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 move on. I think this is an Xbox podcast sometimes. L- wrapping up, we got a couple little quick ones. Just two comments left. EAS King 117 says, I will be surprised if my mom actually spanks me and disowns me. <laughs> I know there's a reason why you said that, but I don't remember the context. So it's just so funny. And then Jay says, the current games with gold title, Slay Away Camp Butcher's Cut, is a fun puzzle game to play during the month of Halloween. The levels range from in time from 30 seconds to 10 minutes, so you can even jump in when you only got 5 minutes to spare. Well, if the level's 10 minutes and you only got 5 minutes... Okay, I, I get your point. Yeah, thank you for writing in with this recommendation. We need to do more recommendations on the show. Yes, this is a games with gold title for the month of October, and I actually have already tried it, and you're right, it is a, it is a fun little little puzzle slasher game perfect for the whole Halloween season slay away camp butcher's cut if you have Xbox Live or Game Pass Goal or Game Pass Ultimate it is a games with gold title this this month so feel please go ahead and download that it is kind of like a iPhone you know mobile game experience I think it, I think it is a mobile game that got ported to console but uh, it actually is it is a fun little you know, game. It has that kind of like blocky style that's popular, that like um, Crossy Roads kind of art style thing. Um, and it's like one of those blocky puzzle games, and and you kind of control your butcher, like your your camp slasher's limited movement to try and kill all the all the campers and camp counselors on the map uh, with your limited movement. So you gotta think like strategically about how you're gonna move to try and kill all the people on the screen. And that's kind of the puzzle aspect. It it is a fun, gory little, uh, bite-sized Halloween game. So definitely recommend that good, good call out there. Jay, uh, everyone should be able to play that because if you have Xbox, you probably have gold and therefore have access to this game. So that's going to do it for all of our comments, shout outs, whatever for the week, a little longer than I wanted to, but we're not, we're not looking at too crazy of a week of news, so we will jump into all the big Xbox-related news, but before I can before I do that, i got to tell you about the games I've been playing this week, but before I can do that, let me tell you what I've been eating, and we'll make this a quick one, because I know we've already rambled on enough, but I've noticed that Taco Bell 
has drastic menu variation depending on the location you go to. And here's what I'm talking about. So recently they did the grilled cheese burrito. It was a limited time item. I tried it out. My local Taco Bell, excellent, excellent limited time item. I had it many, many times. It was so good. I had to keep coming back for more. Such a great food item. But then after, you know, a few short weeks, my local Taco Bell just no longer had it on the menu. And that's to be expected. That's kind of always how Taco Bell is. It's like, hey, we got a new thing. You see an ad for it. You go to Taco Bell. You try it once. And then two days later, it's gone. And it's like it never even happened. So that's pretty par for the course with Taco Bell. So I, I, I haven't had it in about a month or this this grilled cheese burrito. I haven't had it in a month. And then, you know, the other day I'm at work. I'm like, ah, I didn't bring anything for lunch today. Fuck it. I'm going to Taco Bell. And there's a Taco Bell right down the road from my work. I go there. And what do I see but an ad for the grilled cheese burrito? And I'm like, I tell the guy in the drive-thru, yo, you guys got that grilled cheese burrito? And he's like, yeah, of course we got it. I'm like, what the fuck? My Taco Bell doesn't have it over by my home, but the one by my work does. So I get it, and it's great, and I'm, and I'm happy to be reunited with it. But I'm also a little irked that it's like, why the fuck doesn't my Taco Bell have it? And then, you know, my girlfriend and I are out the other day grocery shopping, doing our thing. And we stopped by Taco Bell to get a drink so I can have a chance to win an Xbox Series X. And that's that's actually my excuse for saying I stopped by Taco Bell to get food. And I noticed that Taco Bell had a different menu too. And at that Taco Bell, they didn't have the quesarito on the menu. And so I asked them about it and they said at that location, they have certain items that you can only order by using the mobile app. So it's like regular menu items, not like special items that aren't at other locations. It's just regular items, but you gotta you got to go ahead and order it on the mobile app in order to access it at that location. Just talk about, you gotta listen. I love you. I love your food. I love everything about you. You gotta stop it with the fuckery about the menus. I understand that these are franchises, but you gotta tell your franchise franchisees, franchise owners, cut it with the bullshit. We need our grilled cheese burritos and we can't afford to have you fucking around with our emotions. Just Make them widely available. If we're willing to put down the, the two forty nine or whatever it costs for one of those things, you just gotta let us have it. Don't don't fuck with us, okay? That's it for what I've been eating. Now, what I've been playing. Now, I, I finished up some Minecraft dungeons with my girlfriend. We started playing that when it first came out, but we kind of stopped at like the last two dungeons. So this past week, we we went in, we finished that up, and then we started the DLC, the jungle one, and then we'll get to the winter one after that so i'm working through that i really do like minecraft dungeons it is just such a fun dungeon crawler i'm I'm very smitten with that game i feel like it's one of the more underrated kind of games of 2020 i'm sure you know i'm sure it's done well it's a minecraft game but you know i feel like no one talked about it really and uh i I would just like to say congrats to mo yang on on a great effort with that game i think it, it really is a fun time and definitely worth your time you do not have to be a minecraft fan at all to enjoy that game it's just a fun charming little dungeon crawler and i had a blast with it so i'm looking forward to playing some more of that other than that i just kind of chipped a little away a little more i do maternal i didn't make much progress on that this week so i'm still kind of working through that a little bit didn't didn't spend too much time gaming this this week because i've just been i've just been spending a lot of my free time either reading or or watching halloween related tv show episodes or specials or movies i I watched this hulu halloween movie thing like this hulu movie i tried to watch it last year and then fell asleep at five minutes in and so this year i was like fuck it i'll I'll give it another try it's called like i'm just fucking with you or i'm just messing with you it's this weird like a little like i guess horror suspense movie about this guy who checks into a motel but it's uh it it was kind of fun. It's a little it's a little crazy, but it's that was a fun movie. And then I watched the 1985 apparently the classic 
Fright Night, as recommended to me by a coworker. Got to say that movie was uh, was pretty damn good. I understand why it's seen as such an institution uh, as far as like Halloween films are, are are concerned. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was a very fun movie. And then I watched a Go Go Corey Carson Halloween on Netflix. And if you don't know what that is, uh, don't even bother looking it up. But it was it was awesome. I loved it. I don't give a shit. And I'll watch it again. It was the best twenty six minutes of my week. Now, that's going to do it for all of that. Guys, I think it's time we actually talk about some Xbox. So let's just jump right into the news this week, beginning now. All right, so I actually wrote out my news stories for the first time in a while, or at least most of them. So I'm feeling pretty good about the news this week. I always I always prefer it when I write it rather than just copying pasting articles from other websites. It just feels a little more, I don't know, I feel like it improves the quality of the podcast a little more, makes it a little more personal and unique. All right, jumping into our first story. It was already widely known that backwards compatible games will be will run better on upcoming Xbox Series consoles. But this week, Microsoft took to Xbox Wire to further detail some of the benefits of playing older games on the latest Xbox hardware. One previously alluded to feature that the next-gen Xbox consoles uh, have is Auto HDR, which updates older games that didn't have HDR support and automatically adds HDR to enhance lighting and colors without the need for devs to go back and retroactively add these features to their old titles. This means blacks are blacker, whites are whiter, and colors have more pop to them, allowing for a game's art style to stand out more uh, and have more pop and st- and have more pop without compromising the original artistic integrity of the game. What wasn't previously known, however, is uh, is concrete details pertaining to how the new Xbox consoles will be able to bump frame rates on some backwards compatible titles. So, the backwards compatibility team have created a new technique that will enable select titles to essentially double in frame rates, making for smoother gameplay experiences. This feature has... This feature isn't applicable to all games the way Auto HDR is, just because certain games, physics engines, and things like that, and assets don't really allow for this technique to just be blanketly thrown over it and work like that. It's it, it's it's a little more complex than that. So to demonstrate this new tech, Xbox uploaded a new video showing off Fallout 4, 2015's Fallout 4, running at 60 FPS rather than 30 on an Xbox Series X and S. At the time of this recording, it appears that Fallout 4 is the only known game to be confirmed for this feature, but rest assured there will be many games that do take advantage of it. We'll just learn more at a later date. And lastly, Microsoft have reiterated that OG Xbox games as well as Xbox Xbox 360 and Xbox One games will also be able to run 4K on Xbox Series X and 1440p on Xbox Series S. So no matter what console you're on this next generation or what generation of Xbox game you're playing, just know that games will look and run better on your new Xbox because Xbox is awesome. We bleed green, blue is bad, red is bad, uh, and uh, we are number one. So that's our first story there. Obviously the big piece there is Fallout 4 is getting that update to where it will have run at 60 FPS on the new consoles, which is pretty cool. You may have seen that video circulating the internet uh, showing off the way the game looks. It looks much better running at 60. I feel like Bethesda games in general kind of have that, like, I don't know. I know they run at 30, like they're usually locked at 30, but eh, that's not true. They they dip, let's be honest. A lot of those, those Bethesda games like Fallout and Elder Scrolls definitely kind of jump around in frame rate a little bit but especially just like even the, the generic 30 30 fps i feel like just looks a little choppy looks it looks a little extra choppy on games like fallout a little more so than they do on some other games that run at 30 like i don't know i like i feel like halo 3 at 30 fps on xbox 360 
looks pretty good. And then when you put it at 60 FPS on Master Chief Collection, it's like, oh, wow, Halo 3 looks even better now. Like, it looked good then, now it looks better. Fallout's not the same thing. I feel like Fallout 4 running at 30 FPS, you know, not always locked, but usually at 30 FPS, is like, oh, this kind of looks a little jaggedy and janky. And then Fallout 4 looking running at 60 FPS is like, now that looks much better. So I feel like there's a notable, like, Fallout's the perfect example of, like, a real noticeable difference here. But, um, that, I mean, that's great. That means it's the perfect candidate for this kind of feature. And, of course, you're going to see things like that implemented as not only now because Bethesda and all that is on Team Xbox, uh, but just because I feel like, you know, Bethesda games are always, like, really, like, techie and things like that. So they, it makes their games kind of the, the prime candidates for new features like this. Also, their games don't age very well in terms of, like, physics and, and engine technology. So to have those things bumped up by new hardware, uh, I think is all a, nothing but a good thing, really, for for consumers. So that's really cool. I'm really looking forward to this feature uh, just because I love the idea of... Uh, I'll, I'll, let, me, let me not be vague about this. You guys know I'm a Sonic fan. Sonic Unleashed, 2008. Greatest game of 2008. Greatest game of all time, maybe. Maybe. One of my favorite games, though. I really love Sonic Unleashed so very much. That game is a 30 FPS game, except sometimes it's just like a 10, 8 FPS game. There's some some of the later levels in the game, especially like those daytime levels where you're running super fast, just really like chug and grind to a halt on Xbox 360. And I'm really hoping, I, I don't anticipate this will be one of the games that's supported, but like there's a piece of me that's like really hoping that maybe one day a game like Sonic Unleashed will be able to take advantage of this 60 FPS bump because how fucking cool would now that game they talk about the physics engines being the limitation here that game was made on the hedgehog engine and its physics engine is havoc which is a pretty widely used physics engine so hopefully they'll be able to do something with that but i would really love to see that game run at 60 fps and to be able to play some of those later levels in the games which are great levels but just kind of chug on old hardware just kind of see them buttery smooth and, and play like a play like a modern marvel uh, on my Xbox Series X, I think that that alone would make the Xbox Series X worth it for a five hundred dollar box. You know, Halo Infinite is nice and all, but to play Sonic Unleashed at sixty FPS, I think that's what we're really all here for, isn't it? So that would be really nice, actually. And and, and you know, obviously, this is me just kind of being a little tongue in cheek about this this game. I know most people probably don't give a shit about or hate, but I, I think everyone has their example of like, oh, this is a game I'm really fond of from a long time ago. Uh, it, it could really stand to benefit from, you know, some added frame rate or performance boosts. And that's the cool thing is like, you, you know, you think about like PC games where it's like, oh, well, you know, this game isn't well optimized. So if you have a super beefy con- uh, or gaming PC, maybe you can make this game run pretty well. But for most PCs, it's going to run like shit. You know, console doesn't have that luxury of, you know, well, some PlayStations will run it better than others or some Nintendos will run it, you know, but Xbox is starting to make that a part of the conversation where it's like, well, uh, sorry that this old Xbox 360 game is kind of notorious for running like shit, but thanks to the the new hardware and the perf- performance bumps of the Xbox series consoles, that old Xbox 360 game actually now runs and looks a lot better because the Xbox Series X. And so that's that's just a really exciting thought that we can kind of go back now for the first time on console and really like play these old games with really notable performance differences all just due to Xbox being awesome and really caring about. And, and that's what this is really about. It's, it's Xbox being really caring about your library as a gamer and 
this speaks to Xbox's emphasis on you know your catalog your catalog being like a fluid thing like Xbox as a brand is is this platform this fluid history of you know everything that began with the original Xbox up to where we are today where you know you don't close the door on an old generation look forward to only the new thing but you include everything that came before and I think this is a really important way to double down on that and show that you mean it when you say that and to really support that and put your money where your mouth is because we're going to have games with better lighting better frame rates better resolutions all just because we're playing a newer xbox meanwhile you know not to make this too fanboy or console war like but you know on playstation they have some games they don't even know if they're going to be backwards compatible they you know they have they're, they're being asked to pay upgrade fees to play ps4 games on ps5 and things like things like that in certain circumstances so that's not the shit on ps5 but obviously it draws a line in the sand where you see what microsoft's priority is for their ecosystem versus playstation's playstation very much you know despite what people want to argue about really is more about like all right yeah backwards compatibility that's fine old stuff you want to keep some old stuff that's fine but like we're moving on now we're moving from ps4 to ps5 xbox is more like okay well we're moving into the future more powerful games but we're bringing everything from behind with us because we understand sometimes you don't want to play cyberpunk 2077 sometimes you just want to play star wars knights of the old republic and man it would really fucking suck if you tried to put kotor in your xbox series x and it was just like fuck you old game suck a dick you know but xbox and their and their current kind of philosophy is all about like hey kotor is just as much an xbox game as you know halo infinite there's no reason why your new xbox should be punishing you for buying the newest most expensive xbox and saying yeah these old xbox games won't do fuck you like so i really love that obsession with making sure the whole ecosystem is cohesive and inclusive so that no matter how far forward we go, we still always have access to the back. And that's, I guess it's kind of inherently a a Microsoft thing anyway. I mean, that's why Windows 10 is is still such a legacy operating system is because we're still trying to run all these Win32 applications on this modern OS. And, you know, for better or for worse, this is a this seems to be a pretty Microsoft thing, but maybe that's more of a coincidence. But I, this this is the kind of stuff that just really excites me because, you know, we talk about the whole without Halo Infinite being here, what is the big thing to look forward to this year? It's like, guys, maybe if this was 2003 when the Xbox One came out or 2005 when the Xbox 360 came out, an argument like this may have fallen on deaf ears or sounded like very fanboy or defensive. But I think in 2020, when we live in the world of like, games as a service and games that are platforms and things like that this argument actually holds a lot of weight which is to say yeah i mean launch lineups are usually pretty shitty to begin with anyway so to not have halo infinite yeah that is a big bummer but i don't think it's a make it or break it that we don't have the big triple a sexy must play next gen xbox game launching day and date with the console because at the end of the day we're all still playing Destiny and Fortnite and all these games that came out years ago that just kind of exist as a platform. Think about it, that's what Master Chief Collection is. It's making sure that all of Halo's legacy gets preserved and, and updated and accessible through different iterations and, and generations of console hardware so that we can keep Halo's legacy alive, so that Halo doesn't become this thing where, yeah, Halo 2 multiplayer sure was great, too bad it's a thing of the past, and now the only way to play Halo is to play the new Halo. That's the whole point of things like Master Chief Collections. It's saying, we don't want, you know, the advent of new console hardware and new generations of Xbox to bury the past of what made Xbox so great, which is 
Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo 3. So th- this kind of is the world we live in where like so like spoiler alert for our top 5 Xbox One game segment we're going to do next week or whenever we do it. A lot of you guys mentioned how Master Chief Collection was one of your favorite releases of the generation and think about that that's Master Chief Collection is a collection that has two OG Xbox games and three Xbox 360 games. None of them none of that is an original Xbox One game. It's just a collection of older Xbox games that have been brought forward and updated and, and refreshed to look and run perfect on modern Xbox hardware. So, yeah, does it suck that I don't have a flashy, brand new, never played experience that's super next gen to get day one on my Xbox one, Series X? Yeah, I guess a little bit. I'm not gonna lie and say it, like it's it's a great thing or that I'm not disappointed to some extent. But like when I think about playing my Xbox Series X, I'm like, wow, I can't I can't wait to see what Red Dead Redemption 2 looks like on a Series X. And I can't wait to play Halo 4 multiplayer on my Series X and all this shit. Like, I'm still going to be playing... De- like, Destiny 2 has a huge expansion coming out around the time the Series X comes out. I can't wait to play Destiny 2 this holiday. Like, you ask me what my big holiday release is that I'm looking forward to, it's like, fuck, I'm overwhelmed because, like, Cyberpunk and all these other games, like, the Medium, all these games are coming out. The Yakuza, all this shit. And I'm, and I'm just here, like... I just want to play that new Destiny expansion. You know, that game that's four years old, three years old, whatever it is now. So I, I, we live in this world where, like, games and uh, games exist for so much longer than they used to. And consoles are so much more fluid that, I don't know, to me, this obsession with backwards compatibility and updating old games and supporting older games on your new hardware, that's such a next-gen feature. And I think that's p- kind of part of what people are really missing here is it's like we think of like what's a next-gen feature like uh, a next-gen feature is the ability for your console to have a wireless controller and to play games in HD like think about like the 360 like our controllers were now wireless out of the box we were connecting to storefronts to digitally download games we were getting achievements we were playing games in HD like these are really easy to grasp next-gen concepts which makes it harder for us to understand with Xbox Series X like what's so next-gen about this because you have previous generations like Xbox 360 that make it so clearly obvious what the new next-gen flashy marketable features are of this box. I get that. But maybe this is <clears throat> maybe this is a, this doesn't stand out so much or seem super sexy up front, but that's a pretty cool feature to be like, yeah. So here's a big advantage of your Xbox. You know how we spend so much time playing old games these days because that's kind of how gaming works. We're not just playing only the new shit. We're constantly playing old things and old collections and games as a service and these platform games. Well, guess what? All that shit, of course, works on your new Xbox, but it all looks and runs better. That's the next-gen feature, is making old games look and feel new. And I feel like it kind of gets muddled a little bit because we expect backwards compatibility. We expect more powerful consoles to support new things in more powerful ways. But it's like, that's not historically really a given with consoles, you know? You think about, like, Xbox 360 kind of had backwards compatibility with OG Xbox, and then they kind of took it back a little bit. Xbox One didn't get backwards compatibility until 2015. PlayStation's always been wishy-washy on backwards compatibility. Nintendo, like, what the fuck is Nintendo doing with backwards compatibility? Sometimes their games are discs. Sometimes they're big discs. Sometimes they're small discs. Sometimes they're cards you put in your mouth. Sometimes they're cards that are, like, the size of your face. Like, Nintendo, if Nintendo wanted to to try and attempt backwards compatibility, they'd have to put like a billion different holes in their console so you could plug in different generations of games in there. Like no one gets backwards compatibility in the console space the way Xbox does. And I think that's a super next-gen concept that we just don't think of as next-gen because the PC space, 
just makes us think like that's how new hardware works or I, I don't really know. I don't know what the precedent here is or, or what the thing that makes us kind of disconnected from understanding that better is. But I really think the concept of taking a 15-year-old game, putting it in your new Xbox and suddenly getting HDR support, 4K support, 60 FPS, that sounds like a pretty next-gen feature to me. And I, maybe, you know, maybe it's not so exciting because it's like the first time you're going to play a game online or the first time you saw a video game in HD. I get it. That was really exciting in 2005. But I think about something like this, I'm like, maybe it doesn't seem like the most, like, commercially flashable, like, marketable concept to me. But when I think about how I'm actually going to use my Xbox, that's a really important feature that I'm going to get a lot of mileage out of. So that's a pretty damn exciting thing for this new box. So, I mean, I'm going to continue to play destiny 2 no matter what console i'm on and i'm really excited for the fact that because i'm upgrading to series x i'm going to get an even better destiny experience because that's what xbox is all about so that way way to hijack this topic and just a fanboy about the next generation of xbox but with that said we gotta we gotta make better timing this podcast let's jump into story number two so Microsoft and GameStop have announced today, or Microsoft and GameStop have announced this past week that they um, that the pair have entered in a multi-year strategic partnership that will make Microsoft's cloud tech the backbone of GameStop's business operations. The partnership also touches on the tech and app store, the tech and apps that the stores uh, use that associates will use, including Surface devices, yay, and Microsoft 365 services. So this is kind of a weird one because it's only kind of Xbox related, but it's kind of gaming related, but it's kind of just Microsoft general related. So I just copied some points from Windows Central here. Let's just kind of get through this real quick. Now, according to the press release issued by both companies, GameStop will now uh, rely on Dynamics 365 to power its, quote, backend and in-store solutions. Uh, quote, this will enable the store associates the ability to access omnichannel insights about customer preferences and purchase history, real-time information on product availability, subscriptions, pricing, and promotions in order to provide differentiated and personalized in-store customer experiences, GameStop says. So let me just stop there and kind of explain what that means uh, real quick. So enable associates the ability, insights into customer preferences and purchasing history. Basically, that means next time you go into a GameStop Rather than them being like, hey, do you need to pre-order a game today like they normally do? Be like, oh, you know, the new Assassin's Creed, the new Call of Duty coming out. Did you want to pre-order them? Now they have the ability to, like, pull up your search history, you know, when they're like, oh, you're checking out? Cool. What's the phone number? Blah, blah, blah. Plug in the phone number, 555-555, whatever it is. And then they go, oh, well, um, actually, I, oh, it looks like you buy all these weeby shit games. Oh, you buy Laser Suit Larry and Final Fantasy Naked Lady Edition. Oh, okay. Would you like to pre-order this new... Um, PlayStation exclusive, uh, Naked Lady, Tales of the Tales of the uh, Japanese Hair Flip Edition, Extra Sword Strength Edition, now featuring um, in 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 app purchases from Noodle Cup. Would you like to Would you like to pre order that today? And you're like, oh, how did you know that's exactly the kind of game I, I like to play when I'm all alone in the dark at night? And they're like, well, because we see your purchase history, because we have that insight, and it looks like you buy a lot of these pervy ass weeb games. So would you like to buy one of those? And like, ah, if you had offered me to pre-order the new Call of Duty, I would have laughed at you because I'm not a Call of Duty fan, but since you know I like the Nakey Lady Japanese games, I think I'm going to have to give you 60 or $70 to pre-order this game now, and that's kind of what they mean by that feature. So this is Microsoft Products and Services allowing, enabling businesses to uh, better cater their marketing and their assets and their, their, their in-store uh, shopping experiences to better 
you know, tailor every customer's needs and preferences. This is Microsoft's products and services making the world a better place, a more personal place. I love it. And now, so here's here's a look at some essential, some additional uh, kind of things that we'll be seeing change as a result of this partnership. So I'll just kind of read a little bit of it. We don't need to get too nitty gritty on this. Uh, associates will be equipped in GameStop stores with new Microsoft Surface devices that will transform their in-store game experiences. So stop here. First of all, that's super exciting because you guys know I love Microsoft Surface devices. So my first thought there is what kind of devices are they getting? Are they getting Surface Go's? Are they getting Surface Pro, Surface Pro X? They're not getting Surface Laptop. There's no fucking way. It's, it's definitely a Surface tablet device so it's either a pro a go or pro x my money is on a surface pro for sure um but yeah i don't know fucking maybe they're getting surface studios which are desktops that would be a really stupid device to put in the employee's hand but basically what they mean by that is that way the associates will be able to walk around the store and kind of help you out like in a clothing retail store rather than traditional gamestop experiences where the employees stuck behind a desk and that way they can kind of be more salesman like and be like oh do you need any help finding anything today are you looking oh i noticed that gamestop is like 99 percent funko pops these days would you like to buy a stupid funko pop okay let me show you all the let me show you all the uh funko pops from the cast of scrubs seasons one through seven here they are you didn't come here to buy a video game at gamestop you came here to buy scrubs funko pop figures here they are right here on the top shelf above Nintendo Wii used accessories. And so that's what they mean there. Secondly, second of three points, they say, as part of this transformation, GameStop plans to roll out Microsoft 365 and Microsoft Teams to its stores, empowering more than 30,000 stores and associates uh, with enhanced productivity and collaboration tools. Now that's more for backend stuff. Microsoft Teams, of course, way cooler than Zoom, way cooler than Slack combined. Microsoft 365, Proud to have a subscription to that shit. We're not going to talk about that stuff as much because I don't really see how that pertains to Xbox so much. I just I'm just getting excited as a Microsoft fan here. But gotta say, it's 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 kind of tone deaf in the middle of a pandemic. Reading like GameStop just spent all this money to partner up with Microsoft to equip their stores with Microsoft Surface tablets and and Microsoft Teams and 365 subscriptions. Meanwhile, they just closed a billion stores and laid off a shit ton of people. But I, they're they're trying to adapt in this in these trying times. I get it. And now the last point, I think this one might actually pertain to Xbox. So let's read this one and, and study it in depth. It says, following decades as an essential provider of the Microsoft Xbox gaming platform and services, GameStop has expanded its Xbox family of product offerings to include Xbox All Access, which provides an Xbox console for 24 months an Xbox console in 24 months of Game Pass Ultimate to players with no upfront costs. GameStop and Microsoft will both benefit from the customer acquisitions uh, or <laughs> GameStop and Microsoft will both benefit from the customer acquisition and lifetime revenue value of each gamer brought into the Xbox ecosystem. So that's the thing is there's, this is a multifaceted thing. This is about how can Microsoft products and services help enable these these brands. So this is kind of an unrelated Xbox thing where this has been a big push for for Microsoft, especially on, in the era of Satya Nadella, where they're really going back to that classic, like Microsoft is all about empowering like businesses. It's all about enterprise. It's all about it's all about creators and things like that. It's not it's not Apple. We're not trying to do the Steve Ballmer era of Microsoft thing, where we're trying to be flashy. We're trying to be like Apple. We're trying to be like buy our Microsoft phone, Windows eight, uh, touch screens, consumer. Let's try to make Microsoft a cool brand for consumers. That shit only worked on people like me. 
That's why Microsoft had to back off that shit. And so the Satya Nadella era of Microsoft is very much focused on this kind of let's let's double down on our partners, our 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 educators, our enterprise customers. These are the people who are the ones who make Microsoft such a wealthy company. So let's let's expand on and focus on really trying to cater a combination of products and services to them to help them better to help to help get businesses to do more than just buy Windows computers and use Microsoft Office. Let's try to get them hooked on Microsoft Teams and Microsoft 365 subscriptions and get used to using our Surface computers and kind of tailoring tailoring these services and products together in a way that make them use Microsoft in more interesting like in more more indelible ways and in ways that kind of make it to where they're more so dependent on Microsoft, you know, if I could say that without sounding kind of bad. So this is kind of Microsoft's big push outside of gaming right now. And so that's but it's kind of a double-edged thing or not double-edged thing, but it's kind of like a win-win for them. It's kind of like a two-pronged approach because you got that part of the Microsoft kind of approach here with like GameStop as just another enterprise where they can try and inject this whole Microsoft ecosystem into your back-end corporate structure. But now it's also a thing where it's like, wait, GameStop is a company that sells video game stuff. We are a big player in the video game space. How can we leverage this to help the Xbox brand, especially as we usher in a new era of Xbox? So now it's like the it's like basically becoming the official like physical brick and mortar retail store to go in and become a part of Xbox all access. So I don't think this means to like you're going to start seeing Xbox push PlayStation to the back of the store and kind of brush it aside by any stretch of the imagination. I think what this partnership means is that Xbox and Microsoft have a better relationship now. And now GameStop is going to put a little more emphasis on trying to push Xbox, give Xbox some more attention and make Xbox a little more of an appealing device. So you you go into, you go into a GameStop. Sure. You can buy a PS five, but the guy is going to say, would you like to sign up for Xbox all access and finance a new Xbox console? That's a that's a compelling win. I think that's actually a really compelling win because even though as much as people like me like to say GameStop is like dead and it's just like what is it still doing dead man walking kind of thing, I think a lot of consumers still really see GameStop as like a thing for whatever reason. So, especially for like regular consumers, I feel like GameStop kind of appeals almost more to like casual gamers than actual real gamers. Um, so this is a good thing for people who are like, oh, yeah, I'm interested in buying a new console. Probably going to get PlayStation because that's the one everyone tells me is the best. And I don't really have a mind of my own. So I'll probably just go buy a PlayStation because I play FIFA and Call of Duty. And there's nothing wrong with that. So Homeboy goes into a, play, uh, a GameStop and says, hi, I'm here to buy PlayStation because everyone told me PlayStation is the one I'm supposed to buy. And GameStop employee goes, Oh yeah, PlayStation's cool, man. Uh, I, I I'm a GameStop employee, so let me tell you what. Uh, Xbox All Access actually gives you the opportunity to buy a next generation console, but you can for- finance it for 24 months. Yeah, that's right. So it's super cheap. Uh, comes with Game Pass Ultimate, so you get a bunch of free games all the time, so you don't even have to buy games. And then the guy's like, "Well, I play uh, FIFA and Call of Duty." And then the guy's like, "Well, those games aren't on Game Pass, but uh, fuck you anyway. You should buy this thing." And then he's like, oh, "Okay, wow, the Xbox is only $300, and I can finance it with no additional cost. Wow, no upfront cost, no no additional financing. Oh my God, I'm gonna do this. I think I'm just gonna buy this Xbox." thing this is a good way to turn like people who aren't so you know swayed one way or or the other to just go ahead and buy xbox because you think about it's like guys like yeah someone told me to go buy playstation i went to the store but the guy at the store is like you can just play the same games on xbox 
and finance the Xbox and start cheap. And that's really compelling for some people. I think you're going to see a lot of people kind of switch to Xbox with, with, with having plans like this in place. So this is a really compelling thing. You, you think if you had like, if you had partners like Amazon and Walmart and Best Buy and Target, like also having similar programs like this, that would make Xbox like a real fucking threat to PlayStation. Think about it. Like, you know, PlayStation fans are going to buy PlayStation no matter what. Xbox fans are going to buy Xbox no matter what. Wishy-washy people who are just looking for a new box to play Call of Duty on, you know, maybe they had a 360, then a PS4. That's the customer you got to watch out for. It's that swing voter, you know? That guy walks into a Target and is like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, my, my, my homeboy told me that I'm supposed to buy PlayStation so we can go home and play anime Nakey Girls. I mean, Madden. Madden football. And the guy's like, okay, well, on Xbox, uh, you actually get Game Pass Ultimate, which means you get all the EA bullshit. Um, so you can play Madden as he winks, pointing to the Nike Asian girl game uh, for, for Japanese fans made by Square Enix. And the guy's like, oh, wow, I'm going to buy Xbox because it's super cheap and all access and EA plays included and all this crap. And I don't know. I think, I think if you can start getting your retailers to kind of have these deals, that's going to be a dangerous situation. Now, what I don't get here is if this is something that starts to really take off and really gain traction, I wonder how Sony reacts to this because you got to think like if you're Sony and you're starting to see like some tangible proof here or some like some like I don't know, some kind of statistics that are suggesting that this this strategy is really helping Xbox, then you're going to start talking to GameStop and Target because these are also your retail partners. These aren't just Microsoft's. You work with these guys too as Sony. So you're going to be like, guys, what the fuck? You can't be like favoring the enemy over us. You know, you got to be a little more fair. So maybe this encourages them to strike a deal with PlayStation. Maybe maybe this kind of forces PlayStation's hand to offer uh, Xbox all-access alternative or something. I have no idea. But I think, I think it would be interesting to see if this is something that we can kind of see continue to spread because I don't think PlayStation can just ignore that. If Microsoft is going to continue to do stuff like this, it it just makes Xbox such an again. It's like Xbox is almost gonna you know get so much make up so much lost ground this generation. Not because oh Halo Infinite and all the exclusives and whatever the hell the initiative is working on in Fable. It's not that. It's like they're gonna win because casual gamers are gonna go into stores and be like, I want the box that John at work told me to buy. John told me to buy PlayStation. He says, we really need to go home and play Knack 2 backwards compatibility tonight, right now. It's got to happen. And then the guy is going to be like, Xbox is $300. It comes with all the games in the world for free when you have the subscription. And it's really cool because the controller has a new button in the middle that lets you share stuff. And the guy's going to be like, oh my God, a share button for $300? I got to buy Xbox. And now all of a sudden, like, I just, I just think like, this is how Microsoft is going to sell a lot of these Xboxes. But it, again, this is also about effectively getting your retail partners to convey that. So if you just do the traditional approach of just getting the, the box on shelf, sure, the price is going to speak for itself. But, you know, the average Best Buy or Target employee might just be like, yeah, PlayStation is the one you're supposed to buy because it's got Sackboy and be like, oh, it's over there. And then Xbox is like, oh, Xbox is dumb because the new Halo game isn't even like real. And then it's like, okay, well, now you have a problem. But if you're starting to make relationships with these retail partners where it's like, yeah, push Xbox all access. Now you start getting the employees talking to the customers about Xbox and telling them about the things they didn't know. Telling them about all access. Telling them about Game Pass. And that's uh, that's dangerous because, remember, the, Microsoft's biggest problem is that no matter how much they make fiery tweets 
about how about next gen consoles, no matter how much they beat Sony at like the marketing and lead up towards the new generation, the end of the day, they're not fighting to I mean they're fighting to win PlayStation gamers over on site on Team Xbox, but but that's almost not even as hard as as the other part, which is trying to fight people or trying to get people who are unplugged and uninterested in this kind of video game ecosystem and in um, industry to try and go on team Xbox. How do you reach someone who's on PlayStation to come over to Xbox? Well, if that person's plugged into the gaming ecosystem, they're going to see the marketing rollout between Xbox and PlayStation, and they'll be able to see that. So, you know, if Microsoft does a good job, they can win PlayStation fans over. But how do you get the guy who doesn't give a shit about the marketing, who doesn't follow gaming stuff on social media, who doesn't who doesn't have any friends who tells him about video game related things. How do you get that guy to stop buying PlayStation and to start buying Xbox? That's the bigger thing. So that's where these things come in. That's where you get the GameStop guy who starts saying, well, you never think about Xbox because you just always buy PlayStation by default and you never have anyone to introduce you to the other side. Allow me to be that douchebag. Allow me, Mr. GameStop yells at you over the phone and tells you your game's only worth $3.72. Allow me to tell you why you should be buying Xbox. And I think when you start having the retail partners do that, you start reaching that audience that you otherwise usually struggle to reach out to. And that's uh, that's some compelling shit. So um, that's it for that story. We are we are really dragging our feet on these stories today. Sorry, guys. I, I'm, I'm excited about my brand. I'm excited about my team, my tribe. I don't know if you guys know this, but I have an Xbox tramp stamp. That's how, that's how excited I am about Xbox. All right, next story here. A few weeks ago, we learned that plans to bring Microsoft's video game streaming service, Project xCloud, to iOS had been halted due to Apple being very bad and Microsoft being very good. Well, despite xCloud not being able to make it to Apple's App Store, it appears that there may be another way to bring xCloud to iOS users. As reported by Business Insider and The Verge, Xbox head Phil Spencer revealed the news during a recent internal all-heads all hands meeting, he stated, quote, we absolutely will end up on iOS. We'll end up on, on iPhones and iPads with Game Pass. Uh, so they seem pretty determined to make this happen. The story continues, the newly announced Amazon Luna may hint at Xbox's alleged plan in that it will bypass Apple's app store by being playable through the iOS Safari browser and will not be a native app. Xbox game streaming officially came to Android a few weeks ago, but due to Apple's arbitrary rules and monopolistic business practices, plans for an iOS app uh, for the sh- for the streaming service were quickly halted. Apple claims reasons for doing so stems from the fact that they cannot verify and rate the content of the app when the app contains an ever-rotating catalog of different games of content and is not uh, a set experience, but like, you know, Netflix. So obviously Apple are fucking hypocrites. So this is a really interesting story. And I think the first, maybe the most important, like the, at the core of all this is that quote from Phil Spencer, where he says, we absolutely will end up on iOS. We'll end up on iPhones and iPads and with Game Pass. Again, I, I, I apologize to whoever the listener is, who kind of reoriented the conversation the other week, but you're absolutely right. I don't know if it was lethal migraine or who, but you're right. The, the, the situation we're looking at here really isn't so much Xbox versus PlayStation. And I think we get our heads to focus on that, especially in times like now when we're on the precipice of the new generation of the new consoles. But remember my Phil Spencer himself said like a year or two ago, they're, they're viewing their competition as Amazon, as Google, as these big tech companies that have endless money 
who could become a big threat to Xbox if they really come up with robust cloud streaming services and things like that. The The future of consoles isn't just we have a new box that plays new console games. That's it. You know, it's not, that's the old way of thinking. Now we got the console, we got the PC, we got the streaming, we got the mobile. You got to think of all the verticals of the gaming landscape because if you're not there at the forefront of them, you really run the risk of being left out by the time, whenever one of these things inevitably takes off and becomes the majority. Right now, we think of gaming, we think of playing on our PC, playing on our consoles, and I guess to our phones to an extent. But, you know, phones are play a bigger role as we're able to start streaming real games to our phones, not just little Angry Bird games. And then more and more people are going to start streaming when they realize, you know, I don't have to have a good computer. I just have to have decent enough internet in literally any phone or computer in the world, and I can just stream really powerful, great-looking games to my computer without an expensive console or an expensive PC gaming rig or whatever. So we're, whether you like it or not, this is where we're moving and gaming is getting into this, this space of like, it's, it's about streaming. It's about being able to just go into a web browser and go to videogames.com and Google's like, yeah, you want to play destiny on stadia where 347 people are actively playing the game. You're like, yeah, that's what we're, that's what we're here to make sure we don't lose that. And by we, I mean, of course, Xbox, uh, that's what that's what their motive here is. So I, I like that they're still super dedicated to getting on iOS, and I love that they're just like, okay, new course of action. Apple's playing hard to get. Apple's being a little douchey. Mr. Tim Cook's over there dodging Congress's questions about about monopolistic app store practices, and he's just uh, being all dodgy and talking about the iPhone 12 and all that shit. Okay, we'll find another way. So. That's exactly what they're doing here, and I think this is a perfect solution. I almost—it's almost one of those like, why? Why didn't we just think of that when we, uh, <laughs> when this first happened? Like, why? Did, why wasn't this everyone's immediate default response? But yeah, I mean, this makes this makes perfect sense. You can't can't get your Xbox streaming app on the App Store. Cool. Just go into your web browser, type in xboxgamestreaming.com, and then log in with your Xbox account and play that way. Maybe it's less elegant because, of course, you know, especially in the iPhone ecosystem, we expect everything we do, especially just on our phones in general, actually, we just expect everything to be done through apps, right? Mobile browsers are for specific web pages. It's for looking at bananarepublic.com and, uh, and, and all that, but nonetheless, I think this is a good enough solution and it's one of those things where again they they need to be there at the forefront of this thing that at the end of the day this is about making sure amazon doesn't beat you to the punch because microsoft microsoft is a big tech company they're google they're they're an amazon they have the money they have the power and they have this head start where they're already established in the gaming space with xbox all they need to do now is make sure that they don't get comfortable and do you know no offense again i'm not trying to be fanboyy but this is what PlayStation's doing right now or seems to be doing right now is putting themselves in a situation where they could really fuck up and fail and become irrelevant if they don't start getting aggressive about competing with this shit. Because as great as PlayStation's doing now, you know, in 20 years, it's not going to be about just another PlayStation console. It's going to be about game streaming. So I think Microsoft sees that and Phil Spencer's really aggressive about this. And he's like, we got to get there now. We got to beat Amazon to this. We, we did a great job beating Google there. We, you know, we got, we got xCloud out before Stadia or around the same time as Stadia. Clearly, it was a superior service. Good. Google's likely going to do the Google thing and just let Stadia wimp around for a few years and then kill it off. But now we got to watch out for Amazon because we don't know what they got planned. And I'm sure Apple's got something up their sleeves. That's probably very much why Apple blocked Game Pass from ever – or. Xbox game streaming from ever coming to the app stores because we know Apple at least has a history of doing this where they say 
That's a thing we would like to try our hand at. Therefore, we're going to block all these other people from making apps on our app store that does that thing so that we can copy it, do our own version of it, and then monopolize our own app store with our version of this thing that we are blocking from coming up on our service. I'm not saying this because I hate Apple. I actually don't hate Apple. This is just a thing Apple has been known to do. They've done this in the past, and I'm fairly certain this is what they're doing there. Again, Apple is one of those big tech companies. I think Apple also sees the value in game streaming and they probably want to try their hand at it at some point here as well. So that that's how I'm reading the situation. I think that's the crux of it all is no matter what Apple does to try and stop you, you got to find a way around this. And I think that's exactly what they're doing here, which is really exciting because it kind of, it makes me sad. All the people, you know, all, all my friends on iPhone that just, uh, aren't going to get Xbox game streaming just because Mr. Tim Cook's been a little bit of a, a little bit of a cuckold, you know, if I may say so. So that's really exciting. Uh, it, obviously, Apple's excuse has always been so hypocritical and fucking stupid because they're talking about how, you know, they can't possibly rate all of Xbox Game Pass or all of xCloud because it's an ever-rotating catalog of video games and, you know, they can't they can't give the app a rating if every app or if every game in the app is a different, you know, game, it's a different experience, but it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You have Apple Arcade, or you have Netflix, which is just a bunch of movies that range from, like, made for babies to, like, made for not babies, because it's very adult-like and mature. And then you got, you got shit like, uh, you got Facebook in there, where, like, people are literally swinging elections and posting fake news that gets circulated and absorbed by people all around the world to and believed as true fact when in fact it's just like doing more harm for society because you just got this rampant spread of fake news and like cyber bullies and all this bullshit being po- posted on Twitter and Facebook and all this crap and it's like you let that on your app store how the hell could any like dude X, like the Xbox cloud streaming app could literally just be an app you open up, and it's like, here, you got Forza, you got Halo, you got Ori and the Blind Force, and you got a bunch of naked pictures of Microsoft employees, and none of them are censored, and they're really repulsive, and you will gag. Like, that could be the app, and that would still be a far more family-friendly, all-ages-suited app than anything Facebook does, because you go on Facebook, and you just scroll through that for 10 seconds, you're like, oh my god, everyone from high school got married and had kids and makes a lot of money, and I'm miserable, and my life is awful, oh my god, oh my god, apparently all this shit is happening, but it's not really happening, because there's a bunch of fake news getting spread all over the internet by all these websites I've literally never heard of before, but people seem to be believing it and talking about it ever, anyway, and oh, oh my god, look at all these memes of dogs, and these stupid pictures, and people wasting away their actual fucking lives just reading memes about, I I don't fucking know, TikTok or some shit like that. It's like, that's Facebook. Apple is literally putting their stamp of approval on Facebook and saying that they can't, in good faith, approve an app like Xbox Game Streaming. Just just to put that in perspective for you. So the story here is about how Xbox is going to find a way around this and and look to mobile or web browsing solutions for cloud streaming rather than an application, so that's great, but like, just to put this into perspective for you for a little bit, we live in a world where Apple is trying to pass off this bullshit excuse that Facebook is a more like, easy to approve and rate application than Xbox video games. I hope we all die. I hope I hope COVID trans- transforms into a meteor and shoots out into space and then comes back down to earth and kills every single one of us because we all deserve it. Our next story here is uh, 
In an interview with IGN, Orion Will the Wisps developer Moon Studios sat down to discuss the franchise and franchise potential history and or sorry, franchise potential future and more. When asked about the any future installments in the Ori franchise, director art director Jeremy Gritton made clear that for now we're focused on our newest title, uh, but we've left the door open for a return to Ori's world. It would really come down to whether or not there's a story that the team is excited to tell. Currently, Moon Studios is working with 2K-owned publisher Private Division on a new action RPG. It appears that there won't be any new titles in the Ori franchise, and that the team have potentially made mention that they are happy with how they left the story uh, after Ori and the World Wisps. As the interview progressed, the topic of Ori became uh, the topic of Ori becoming a potential character in Super Smash Bros. for Nintendo Switch was uh, brought up. As prior to the recent announcement of Minecraft characters coming to the game, uh, it was rumored that Ori was a potential candidate for a fighter on the game's roster. Moon gives no indication uh, that any formal discussions have taken place, but the team are very much in favor of the idea, saying, quote, I think all of us at Moon would love to see Ori in Smash, and we think of Ori's moveset and fighting mechanics, we think that they would be tons of fun, says Moon co-founder Janady Corol, before adding how fans could go about helping to make that happen, saying, quote, I honestly think this could be amazing, and you should tweet Phil Spencer about it. Ori and the Will of the Wisps will soon be getting an Xbox Series X patch to optimize the game for 4K resolution and add 120 FPS support, so stay tuned for more on that. So this is like a little quick one, um, but I just want to throw it out there. It seems pretty cl- cut and clear that Moon isn't working. Moon Studios is not working with Microsoft very closely right now, and that Ori is kind of on the shelf for now. Not to say that it's never coming back, but I, I kind of have a creeping suspicion that despite being critical darlings, those games didn't do extraordinarily well. Uh, maybe between Switch and, and Game Pass, it did pretty well. But I just think this is one of those things where, like, this team has spent so long on this franchise, and now it's time for them to kind of spread their wings and try their hand at something else. And now we know they're in bed with Private Division, so they're going a little third-party or multi-platform here. So I think it's pretty clear here that Moon Studios is kind of getting away from Xbox, at least for now. I, I, I was saying, you know, kind of earlier in the year, I, I really think this is a good studio acquisition for Microsoft. It'd be nice to have... You know, they need some smaller developers in there, too. I think Moon would be a good one, but it seems like that's just not going to be the case. So they seem pretty set that, like, we're we're kind of bookending Ori for now. It's it's kind of, it's, it's, it's something we got to forget about for now. Possibility that we might see Ori in Super Smash Bros. if we just keep bitching about it enough. If there's anything we've learned about Super Smash Bros. is that if the internet just keeps complaining about it enough, like Banjo-Kazooie, eventually we'll get it. So I think it's really important that we do that. Xbox is obviously super open. Phil Spencer is super open to putting Xbox characters in this game. I think Nintendo doesn't want like a Master Chief or anything like that, so I think that's why we haven't gotten like Halo in there. But I think Ori in the will I think Ori would be a decent character. You know, it's a little more in that realm of like Minecraft or Banjo Kazooie, uh, more so than like Halo is. But also, if you can have Solid Snake in there, you can have Master Chief. Don't don't fuck around Nintendo. Put him in there. But uh, anyway, so that's all there really is to that. I don't want to like speculate too much on it, but that's kind of where we stand with that. I really do wish we saw that studio get closer with Microsoft, but it seems like now that Ori's kind of up on the shelf for now, that that relationship is kind of coming to an end. That close relationship is just kind of petering out, and we're seeing them go a little more multi-platform here, which is fine. All right, guys, and let's kind of get to the, towards the end of our news this week. We got one from IGN that says Rockstar Games appears to have purchased Crackdown 2 developer Ruffian Games. 
taking the studio under its wing and rebranding it as Rockstar Dundee. The news arrives thanks to a report from The Gamer, which noted that a series of companies' house listings confirming the acquisition and name change. The page from Rockstar Dundee lists 10 major filings, all on October 6th, which include a name change, a change in registered address, Take-Two Interactive Software's assuming significant control of the company, and a series of new employees being confirmed as directors of the studio. Studio head Gary Lydon uh, and creative director Billy Thompson, co-founder of Ruffian Games back in 2008, both appear to have left the company in the wake of the acquisition, with filings pointing to the uh, cessation of their position as directors at the studio and loss of significant control. A tweet from the official Ruffian Games account posted back in October last year noted that they were working on, quote, unspecified titles for Rockstar Games. That points to Ruffian Games having uh, been working at Rockstar for at least about a year now, being officially absorbed into the publisher around this time. Whatever the transformation into Rockstar Dundee means is anyone's guess, but they join a, caval- a cavalcade of studios working on future games for Rockstar. As well as Crackdown 2, Ruffian has previously worked on Connect Star Wars, Halo the Master Chief Collection in a support role, and Crackdown 3, most notably their uh, multiplayer cloud-based mode. There's no official word from Rockstar as to what the Dundee branch's responsibilities will entail at this point. So I read this and immediately I think of, you know, their most recent work experience, you know, being the Crackdown games and Halo the Master Chief as like a support role. And I immediately think, well, these are games that are kind of like about services or multiplayer extended kind of things like that. With Crackdown, they specifically worked on the multiplayer. Crackdown 2, they worked kind of on the main project, I believe, in Halo Master Chief Collection. They worked in a support role, and Master Chief Collection, of course, is a Halo games as a service type deal. So I see this, and I immediately think, I think this is in an effort to get another Rockstar team to serve as like multiplayer maintenance, especially as we see, you know, Red Dead Online and GTA Online kind of be these massive monsters of these online games that just take take on a life of their own, kind of totally separately exist from the games they, they compact in with you know, GTA 5 and Red Dead 2, and just, you know, just kind of surviving on their own with, with their own, in you know, constantly evolving in-game events and their own in-game ecosystems and, and monetized opportunities and things like that. So there's there's just this precedent here where it's like, yeah, my, at some point, Rockstar's got to start making new games like a new Grand Theft Auto and all this shit. But at the same time, they still have to constantly work on keeping up GTA online and and Red Dead online and all this stuff. So I th- I see this and I think about like their work Ruffian Games work as a support studio to some extent and working on these platforms and these multiplayer aspects and I think maybe this is a new studio designed to help kind of support these online services so that some of the more proper Rockstar uh, studios like Rockstar North and such can kind of get back to work on the next Grand Theft Auto, the next Red Dead, or whatever the hell it is they're working on. So that's kind of my initial thought, but who the fuck knows? Maybe they're trying to get another Rockstar team because a part of them wants to make sequels to to like cult games like Bully or Manhunt, and they're like, hey, we don't have time for that. We're too busy with Red Dead Online and GTA Online and GTA 5 on every console ever known. So... Let's start a new studio that can maybe handle some of these smaller, like one-off games, like Bully or or Manhunt. So that's kind of how I see this. Is is that's what they they built here? But there's not much to see here. Uh, there's not much to really investigate here. These are it's a pretty like unknown studio that you know doesn't have too much history or or information. So uh, it's, this is just one of those like we'll have to keep following this story. But in the meantime, uh, good for all those uh, who who, you know, made out like bandits as a, as a part of this acquisition. It seems like the original studio co-founders left. They probably made a shit ton of money from this acquisition. So good for them. 
and uh, wishing the best to the newly named Rockstar Dundee. Hopefully they're they're uh, excited about their new role as part of the Rockstar family, and uh, they put out some great work. So we'll have to follow up on that. And then our penultimate story here comes from IGN, and it is that Motive Studios, fresh off the release of the first full-fledged Star Wars Squadrons, uh, announced that a new st- that the studio has a new mission statement, and with it, an unannounced video game project. Several unannounced video game projects, uh, to be exact, according to Motive General Manager Patrick Klaus. Klaus spoke with IGN ahead of the announcement of Motive's new mission statement, which is to empower players to create, experiment, live, and share unique stories. The idea of developing games that our player focused came up in our decision in this discussion. So, I mean, just right off the bat, that's just a pretty vague and like nothing kind of mission statement, but whatever. Quote, we have several projects in the works. Unfortunately, they are undisclosed, so there's very little I can share right now, says Klaus. What I can tell you is that there's a lot of ambition going on. The early successes of Star Wars Squadrons in the studio and a lot of appetites to innovate. When asked whether these new projects are going to be original IPs or based on things like Star Wars, Klaus revealed that the projects are a mix of both. Saying, quote, what I would say is that's a mix of innovation and fan favorite brands. A lot of what we're trying to do here uh, is balance our it's have balance in our product range. On top of that, I want to say that the key ingredient for us is very much like creating some experience that are going to power players. Uh, through gameplay and experiment. Motive was founded back in 2015 under Jade Raymond, who has since moved on to work at Google. Klaus took over in 2018 following Raymond's departure and says the new studio uh, projects are mostly newer ideas, not inherited from any previous management. Saying, quote, I would say it's on the new side, Klaus says in a state. Klaus says, and that EA is, quote, all in on Motive establishing a new name and identity for itself. So this is one of those, like, I kind of expected, especially after the launch of Star Wars Squadrons, it seems like it's doing pretty well, at least critically. I assume commercially it will do well just because it's Star Wars. And it, it seems like EA was pretty clear that like, hey, this is a $40 game. It's a one-time release. No DLC. It's like a one and done. Boom. That's it kind of thing. So this is obviously not like their big thing they're working on and nothing else. So obviously they're already hard at work on whatever the next thing is. I'm sure they already had another team working on it. Um, so I, I don't know. I see this as them saying like, we're kind of coming up in the ranks. EA is kind of looking at us as potentially like one of their new studios since, you know, since they, they axed so many of their studios in recent years, this might be them kind of getting a little more of a spotlight and saying, Hey, you guys have done some good work in recent years. How'd you like to have more of the spotlight? And, uh, I think, I think that's the first part where we're seeing. And I definitely think we're going to see these guys do some more star Wars work for sure. Um, between the campaign work they did on battlefront two, and and now uh, the success of Star Wars Squadrons. I think they've kind of proven their stuff in the space of Star Wars. So we'll see them continue that for sure. But it looks like they're also working on some new stuff. Their new uh, the new mission statement for the studio, which they said is quote uh, <laughs> to empower players to create, experiment, live, and share their unique stories means absolutely nothing. That sounds like something anyone would say about any game. So I don't know what to make of that. But this seems like just a very vague way of them saying, hey, we got a lot of stuff in the works. We're probably going to do some more Star Wars, but we're going to do some more original stuff. But the bigger the bigger picture I get from this is that I think EA is starting to uh, kind of gro- groom them to become one of their bigger their bigger studios now that uh, Visceral and all the uh, and the like of all the older studios are now just dead because EA hates us all and wants to just burn everything we love. And then our wrap up story, our final story for the week is just a list of some new games coming and going to Game Pass. So coming soon to Game Pass, uh, we got. Uh, beginning on October 15th, we get Age of Empires 3 Definitive Edition on PC, 
Uh, Heave Ho on PC, which is an ID at Xbox game. Katana Zero coming to Android console and PC. Uh, Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition, which was already on Android through cloud streaming, but it's now coming to console and PC. We've got Swords of Ditto, uh, Mormo's Curse coming to PC. Scourge Bringer, Bringer coming to console on October 21st. On, on October 22nd, we got two more. We got Cricket 19 coming to console and Superland coming to console. On, um, and that is all the new games coming to Game Pass. Now, as far as leaving Game Pass, we got a handful leaving on October 15th, which are Felix the Reaper, console and PC. Metro 2033 Redux on console and PC. Minute on console and PC. Saints Row 4 Reelected on PC. And State of Mind on PC. Now, on October 30th, 30th, we've got another round of games leaving the service, which are After Party on console, rest in peace. Uh, Lego Star Wars 3 on console. Rise and Shine on console. Tacoma on console and PC. Lords of Lord of the Rings Adventure Card Game on console and PC, and the Red String Club on PC. Definitely recommend you play After Party and Tacoma before they leave on October 30th. After Party was my game I played on Halloween last year. Really nice. Um, that's from I forgot the name of the studio. The guys that made uh, Oxenfree, uh, but that's uh, that's the game that came out last year. Uh, it launched in Game Pass, actually. That's why I played it. And it's, it's about, like, these two college kids that, like, go to a college party. And then they find out they died and they went to hell. And so it's, like, about this, uh, you know, it's about, like, this uh, these two childhood friends that die and go to hell. And, and their objective is to get back, obviously, to heaven. Get back, or not get back to heaven, but get back to the real world to, like, go back and, and not die. And so they meet up with, they, they're in hell and they meet up with Satan and they challenge him to a drink off. So the whole thing is like, if they can out drink the devil, then Satan will put them back on earth so they can continue living out their lives. And it's actually a really fun, like three, four hour little like story experience game. I had a lot of fun with it. It's very like fun themed, ideal kind of Halloween game. So it's leaving the day before Halloween on Halloween Eve. So I definitely recommend you check that game out if you're interested. It's one of those games that's all about the writing and kind of the world's building and everything. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a three, four-hour game. Total blast. Highly recommend it. And then Tacoma is leaving on uh, on the 30th as well, which is um, from the developer. Uh, what are they called? The guys who make Gone Home. This is their, their, their next game after that. This is like about... This is another really good game. You play as like this uh, this girl on a spaceship that's kind of like stranded, and and uh, you're kind of exploring the ship and kind of seeing what all happened on the ship that like every everyone's missing and everything's gone. You're recovering these audio logs and kind of figuring out what happened and that these people are still alive and where they went. And it's another one of those like two hour kind of like walking simulator games, so to speak. But it's it's really cool. It's really engaging. The writing's really interesting. The characters are super cool, and uh, it's 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 got a really interesting twist towards the end as to like what happened and where these people went. Highly highly recommend that as well. So be sure to check those out as well as those new games coming to the service. And that's gonna do it for all of our big news, guys. Now, of course, we've got our important enough news stories, important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion. So we got a couple little quick little stories to fire off here so we'll just run through those real fast first one is that the upcoming xbox horror puzzle game the medium from publish from polish developer blooper officially has a launch date and will come to xbox series x and xbox series s on december 10th remember that this game will indeed launch into game pass and is a console exclusive to xbox so suck it nintendo 
Next, Halo developer 343 uh, have announced in a blog post that the first test flight for Halo 4, the final game um, that needs to be ported to the Master Chief Collection on PC, is expected to begin towards the end of this week, so maybe around the time this podcast goes live. Next, Gears of War developer The Coalition are celebrating the imminent console launch of Gears Tactics by bringing protagonist Gabe Diaz to Gears 5. In order to unlock him, players will need to finish Gears Tactics tutorial mission on any platform, and then they'll receive uh, the Armored Gabe character skin on Gears 5. Next, a new Doctor Who game, The Edge of Reality, is coming to Xbox One Series X and PC in 2021. Developer Maze Theory, in partnership with BBC Studios, have revealed that Doctor Who, The Edge of Reality, a reimagined version of the studio's 2019 VR title, Doctor Who, The World, uh, The Edge of Time. Next, IGN reports that Square Enix's Outriders has been delayed to February 2nd, 2021 um, on Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. However, it will support a complete cross-play experience and will offer free upgrades uh, to next-gen. Outriders was originally set to be released this holiday season, but complications due to the COVID pandemic, of course, uh, have have led to the delay. Remember, that is the new game from uh, Bulletstorm developer People Can Fly that you know, isn't getting a lot of attention, but might be of interest. And the next Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War will feature a field of view slider in the menus option across all platforms, a first for Xbox consoles, while not new for PC nerds. Here's hoping that we can get an FOV slider for Destiny 2 as well on the Series X. And finally, IGN reports that Mortal Kombat 11 will add uh, Sylvester Stallone's Rambo as a DLC character, alongside classic characters uh, Melina and Rain. Mortal Kombat 11 will also receive an Ultimate Edition, arriving on November 17th, and both the base and Ultimate versions of the game are coming to Series X and S, with free upgrades for current-gen owners. Alright, and that's going to do it for all the news, including all the small stories, guys. Now we're going to jump into the most popular con- uh, uh, segment of the show where we talk about the new games of the week coming out to Xbox uh, by only naming the name and assuming what the game is based off of a singular screenshot. Now, we have 28 games coming to Xbox this week. I don't know what the fuck is happening, but everyone thinks this is a good week to put out a game. So we'll blast through these because we're not going to... We're already running really long, but without further ado, first we got Forgone on October 13th, which is already out. It is a 2D game. It looks like it's for the DS, and you shoot dragon monsters. Next, we got G.I. Joe Operation Blackout, which is like a G.I. Joe game, but it's over the shoulder and kind of looks like Army of Two, which is weird. And next, we got NHL 21 Deluxe Edition, which comes out October 13th. This is like hockey, but for some reason there's a bunch of people in the crowd, so there's probably going to be a huge spike in in pandemic numbers. Next, we got Red Wings, Ace of the Sky, October 13th. This is a game for people who hate Star Wars Squadrons but still want to do a uh, dogfighting flight combat game, uh, but one that doesn't look very good. Next, we got Torchlight 3, October 13th. This is a dungeon crawler for people who refuse to play Minecraft because they think Minecraft is for kids, but really they're just robbing themselves of a really fun game experience. Speaking of kids games, we've got Brotherhood United, which is a game that does not look like it's for kids because there's literally a police officer holding a gun to a civilian, so it's kind of... uh, It kind of seems a little insensitive considering things that are going on right now in the world, but this uh, this podcast isn't about getting into that kind of thing, I guess, so... We're just going to scroll past that. It's an 8-bit anyway, so I don't even want to play that game. Next, we got Brunswick Pro Billiards, October 14th. If you guys want to play pool on your Xbox because you can't go down to the bar and play pool these days, we got you covered. It's coming it's coming to Xbox. Next, we got Cook Serve Delicious 3. 
and there's literally two exclamation marks and a question mark in the title of this game, so you know it's going to be Japanese. It comes to October 14th, and it's one of those games where you got to make food and serve it like a Diner Dash game, except it kind of looks cool because there's license plate and state highway uh, signs everywhere for some for, for some reason, so whatever. And then we got Monster Prom XXL, October 14th. This looks like a good Halloween game for furries. If you like to dress up as werewolves and get dating with green monsters and shit like that. Next, we got uh, Nexoria Dungeon Rogue Heroes, which comes out on October 14th. This is one of those dungeon games where you get to pick a character and level up. But it kind of looks like Paper Mario meets 8-bit games, so it's very uninspired. It's very weeby. It's an Xbox Play Anywhere game, so maybe one day you'll even be able to play it on an iOS browser. Uh, and then we got Return One-Way Trip, October 14th. Very scary game. Uh, scary because of how low budget it looks. And then we got Shadow Gangs, October 14th. It looks like one of those 2D side-scrolling brawlers, but but it takes place in Miami, so maybe it's just you know about a day in the life of Miami. And then it's Xbox One X Enhanced, of course. Next, we got Tie the Tasmanian Tiger HD, which is coming October 14th. I kind of want to play this. This is a game I always wanted to play as a kid. On It was on like PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. Um, always wanted to try this game, and maybe now I will. Maybe I'll give it a Maybe I'll give it a download now if it's not too expensive, but that's kind of cool that that game's coming back. Kind of looks like shit. Just they put it, they they changed the resolution, but nothing else it looks like. But I don't care. I'll still I'll still probably try it. Maybe Age of Empires Three Definitive Edition comes to PC on October fifteenth. Wow, so much Xbox exclusive shit coming out this year. It's almost like Xbox has no games. Am I right? Now that's on Game Pass, of course. And then we got Cake Bash on October fifteenth. This is the prequel to Bug Snacks, because before the snacks turned into bugs, they were, of course, cakes and cupcakes and muffins and things of that nature. Um, then we got Cloud Punk on October 15th, which is like Cyberpunk 2077 meets meets Crackdown 3 meets No One Wants to Play That. And then you got Dust Off Z on October 15th, which is a game, again, really insensitive. You play as a bunch of police officers, you're in a helicopter, and you're just shooting the fuck out of things. I think there might be zombies, but whatever heave ho comes to pc on october 15th i believe this is one of those game pass games it looks like uh it looks like one of those flash games you might play on a school computer if you're like seven so if you're into if you're into playing a fun brain game here you go then we got katana zero coming to pc on october 15th i hear that game's good but it looks very old and then we got raji and ancient empire on october 15th this is where you play as one of those one of those like sunni goddesses or some shit i don't fucking know what i'm saying Tears of Avia on October 15th. It's one of those weeby games where you can only move in certain spaces, but everyone's got big anime eyes and different color hair. And then you got Swords of Ditto, Morma's Curse on PC. It's got one of those indie art styles. I like the gas station, though. It's got a cute little character on the sign. And then you got this is the Zodiac Speaking, October 15th. I've heard this game's pretty cool, pretty scary. Probably going to play something else for Halloween. You got Two Parses from Earth, October 15th. He plays a robot, takes place in space. Speaking of space, Space Cruiser next game, October 15th. More space, looks kind of strategy-like, so it's kind of boring. Speaking of space, uh, next game here is called uh, Shantae Risky's, Risky's Revenge Director's Cut, uh, which is another Shantae game. Speaking of space, Jackbox Party Pack 7 comes on October 15th. Um, which is, you know, if you ever played one, if you played one, you played them all, you know what those are. Speaking of space, Nine Monkeys of Shalon or Shaolin comes October 16th. 
It looks like it takes place in the desert of some sort. Speaking of space, that's going to do it for all the new games coming to Xbox this next week, this upcoming week, this week that we're currently surviving in. And just as a reminder for Games of Gold, you've got Slayway Camp Butcher's Cut for the rest of the month, as we mentioned earlier in the, in the episode. Uh, Made of Scare, uh, which comes out October 16th to, go to, to November 15th. That one looks pretty interesting. I'm tra- kind of interested in giving that one a try. Got Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy, which is only available to the 15th. So if you are listening to this podcast the day it goes live, download it or miss out forevermore. Um, and then lastly, Costume Quest on the 16th through the rest of the month. Xbox 360 Classic from Xbox Own Studio. Double fine. Really excited to give that game a try. But that's going to do it for all of our podcasts this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully next week we'll be able to do the Xbox One Top 5 console exclusive segment. Really excited to do that and read everyone's comments and share my own selections as well. Um, But I appreciate you guys sticking through the end, all 25% of you. And I appreciate all your banter and soda talk and just your time and commenting in. It really means a lot. I always appreciate it, guys. It's, uh, It's not lost on me. So as this podcast continues to very slowly grow an audience i'm just very pleased that uh anyone out there gives a shit at all and it's been a a huge pleasure and honor to be a part of this or to to help bring the show out to you guys and and make this something worth doing every week because i promise you i would have given up by now if no one was listening so thank you so much everyone and uh for next next week just just remember until next time power your dreams xbox just power power all your dreams with your powerful consoles